Hi, my name is Sean Shaler, and this is Chris Ford, whom you might also know as The Objective Geek from YouTube and Twitter, and welcome to another episode of Avatar, The Last Podcasters. And for the record, I'm going to refer to our episodes by the TV show episode they correspond to, so as not to confuse our one listener. Uh, hi, Mom! And so this episode will actually be called episode number three, because we are covering the third episode of the show, which aired on February 25th. 2005, just four days after the pilot episode. Uh, the pilot episode was a Tuesday. This was a Saturday, which seems kind of weird, but whatever. And this show is called The Southern Air Temple. And as a fun fact, that's also my sister's birthday, I believe. If you are interested in such information, I'm not sure why you would be, uh, but she's quite lovely, so get her a birthday present if you see her on that day. And uh, But before we get started, though, I do have a couple notes. First of all, Chris, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing good, Yeah. Usually when people ask me a question, I say decent because I'm being very realistic with them and I like to be very genuine with my responses. Uh, but I don't think I'm doing good. Life's looking a little brighter. <laughs> you make it sound like it's been horrible. Um, or it's, well, it's no, just my, been my decent. <laughs> it's been decent. My no, decent is fair. probably everyone else's good, but I don't like to blow things out of proportion. That's fair. You like to take things what they for what they are, and that's uh, that's why we're here. Is I like to be very objective. I like to be very. Dang it! I'll say objective. With the <laughs> he said it. He said his name. How appropriate! It's so perfect. Um, well, anyway, I uh, I think most people ask you how you're doing at work, and when you're at work, it definitely skews it because it's at work. Yes. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it feels like it's like the tenth time that we've recorded this episode because last week we tried it once, and then something was going bad, and then this time we're, we're, we're well, no, we tried. Sorry, we tried it once, and then we tried it again last week. Like we didn't get that far into it. We got through the whole episode, and then I realized that I had done something stupid, and uh, the audio wasn't working, like, oh, you know, at all, really. So it was just like you answering questions being asked by nobody. It was just you talking to yourself, and then my mouth moving. So it's kind of awkward. So it's only the second time, actually. I did retest some different audio options on YouTube and a YouTube rebuttal to your uh, ludicrously generous review of Ready Player One. <laughs> I did my own review, uh, mostly to test out the audio here. But for the record, your 7.8 score on Ready Player One is way too high. I gave it a 7.65. I think that is precisely more accurate, uh, my humble opinion. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I could have came come down a little bit on story. And because uh, I think I gave it an eight, honestly, I probably could come down to seven point five. But even then, that would only probably bring it down about point one points. Point two. Well, that's about where I was at, right? So it's perfect. Anyway, Ready Player One, totally fine as a movie. Uh, hopefully, the the audio is working. There's still some popping and stuff like that, but it didn't seem too bad. The other thing that I learned is that your telephone, like your cell phone, uh, and even my wife's cell phone, both have far better cameras then my Logitech C920 <laughs> webcam that I used to record this is very embarrassing. <laughs> I thought about grabbing her phone to record it, and that, so felt, that felt silly too. And I was like, that's what you do here. So uh, it's also worth noting that I am standing up because with my audio changes, I'm a little closer to my computer than I used to be. Uh, but then I tried it, and it made my voice sound lower. So I'm pretty excited about that. Maybe my voice won't sound like two octaves higher than yours like it did last time. That's very exciting. And then the final note is that we have actual real-life listeners. They're actual people. It's not YouTube comments or thumbs up or anything like that. It's actual people from my work who listen to it. 
And they, they didn't ever say they liked it, but they implied that they listened to it and they never said that they hated it. So that was cool. <laughs> Uh, they did say we were too mean to Sokka, um, so, uh, but they were also looking forward to this episode and that we should be nicer to Sokka. So thank you, Hannah and Tyler, who are also getting married, too. That's probably too much information for a weird podcast. But I imagine that our podcast congrats. is going to... Congrats, Hannah and Tyler. Uh, it's been <laughs> tremendous to receive compliments and, and critiques from both of you. And I believe that our podcast is going to hold your marriage together uh, for like two or three years. Uh, as we f- finish these episodes, so at least, yeah, at least two or they're three on their episodes. own after that, and then we'll go to Cora, and then you'll rewatch it. You got ten years of bonding just over this mm-hmm. uh, this low grade podcast, so you really <laughs> you're very welcome. And so with that, I was going to go to a section that I think we should call Chris Cleanup, which is where you, uh, being the subject matter, after you watch what we did last time, you get to point out all the stupid stuff that we said or didn't said or we messed up. It mostly could be your critique of the bad things that I said, and that's fine. But we're going to call this the Chris Cleanup. Uh, I think in the last episode, uh, when we covered the pilot, you mentioned that Aang... What was it? There was something about the Avatar state. Oh, no, I got it. <clears throat> there was a... The ship was damaged, right? Zuko's ship was damaged in the last episode. From the Aang wasn't in the Avatar. Yeah, Aang wasn't in the Avatar. He didn't do that in the Avatar state. The thing he did in the Avatar state was like twirl up in the water and then hit people off the ship. When he he did that to the ship, when Zuko and Iroh threw like combined to throw a big old heat, big old fireball at him, and then he swung it. No Avatar state, like a baseball, hit the side of the cliff, and then the snow from that damaged the ship. So that's so, one thing. But can you confirm that he was in the Avatar state so my complaints later in this episode are valid? Oh, um, well, he, he was in... He did enter the Avatar state, but when he took out the ship, he was not in the Avatar Just not state. In the ship. All right, so my complaint later is still valid. That's good. That becomes yes. important if you make it through this that's... whole episode. Um, and, you know, I did say some other stupid stuff, but I was able to edit them out later. So uh, no harm, no foul. <laughs> And then the, <laughs> the other thing that is extremely unimportant, uh, but sometime I'll get right, is so last week I started the show off with a terrible allegory between real life, uh, between <laughs> our real life and the intro sequence to, to Avatar The Last Airbender. And, uh, well, it was weird and awkward, so I was going to record that again. <laughs> and I made Heather, rec- like I was going to have her record it for real and make an intro sequence for our show. But she has such a soft, soft voice that I'm like telling her, like, you got to like just yell into the microphone. And then it was bad and the microphone was bad. and The audio was bad. Uh, but she tried really hard and she's, she seems like she's willing to try again. And her voice doesn't sound anything like Katara's, but it sounds more like Katara's than it's mine a, was. So I, it's my, a soft, womanly voice. It is, right. So my heart was in a place where I wanted to have not a cool intro sequence, but a ridiculous one with actual voicing and stuff. <laughs> And and it didn't work, but I'll I'll get it to work sometime. Maybe that's not really a cleanup. That's uh that's my teaser for next episode. That's an exciting teaser. Nice. Oh hey, look, I gave you monkey yachts or the the other monks for the Chris cleanup section. I forgot to click there. So there's the other monks. And then so uh, Chris, this week I thought I would start by giving a real quick synopsis of the last episode and this episode, and then we will go into the scene by scene stuff from this episode, which you will lead. That sound all right? Sounds good. 
So last week we talked about the pilot. It's been two weeks ago now. It was comprised of two episodes. Katara and Sokka of the Southern Water Tribe stumble on Aang, this boy who's frozen in a block of ice and a spear of ice specifically. They bring him back to their village, and there's a lot of exposition. They start to realize that he's probably the last airbender. And then we also meet Zuko and Uncle Iroh, and they are from the aggressing Fire Nation, and they've been tasked with finding the Avatar. And all we really know about the Avatar at this point is that it's some kind of very powerful, unique individual who may not even be alive. We're not sure. The last time he was present was more than 100 years ago. But many people believe he's still out there and that he's going to return and restore peace. So naturally, Fire Nation people aren't down with that. So Aang and Katara set off a booby trap in an old Fire Navy ship. Big explosion happens. Suko and Iroh see it. They show up at the village where Sokka and Katara um, are there with their other villagers. And Aang gives himself up to them. And then there's a crazy escape scene where Aang escapes his captors. He escapes the Fire Nation. And then Sokka and Katara kind of get their grandma's blessing to go on with him. Well, first of all, to rescue him and then to go on with him on his mission to restore peace. So that brings us up to this episode. And the thing about this episode is it's split into two stories. One side, we have our protagonists, and I won't give away anything because I want to do that in the scene by scene. But they fly a bison to the Southern Air Temple where they learn, they find out a lot of truths about Aang and the airbenders and the avatars and the avatar state. A lot of things start to reveal themselves. And then on the other side, Suko and Iroh make port at a Fire Nation-controlled harbor to have their ship fixed, which was broken by Aang's baseball swing. And they meet some Fire Nation jerk named Commander <laughs> Zhao, and he finds out they spotted the Avatar, and he demands they turn the mission over to him. So uh, still more exposition, but it's a little deeper exposition this episode. And then you'll also notice that I use the word revelation. That's kind of a theme in this episode is that a lot of stuff is starting to reveal itself on kind of a deeper level. It's more than exhibition. It's not a standard story yet. So with that, Chris, I'm going to turn it over to you to take us for, uh, through scene by scene. All right. Um, one, one thing I want to get into first, sorry to derail you here, Sure. Um, but something I've been thinking about and just uh, chewing on in my mind is that in the last episode, we talked a lot about how Aang is, he's the Jesus Christ figure and, and, you know, Katara has a lot of faith and hope. And then also Aang gives uh, Zuko hope. Um, it's a and that's, different I think kind of that's, hope, but yeah, it's hope. Yeah. Um, and I think that's almost the, the theme of season one. So you know how in Korra, Korra's books aren't, except for the first season is named um, after Era, but for the most part, most of those books are named after the theme. Um, it's balance, change, spirits. Um, so if I had to really describe the theme for this season, it would be something like hope or faith. Because um, a lot of it, people are reconciling their faith. They're reconciling the what the world is now. and But then Aang comes back, so now there's hope that things will go back and be better. Um, and so I just see that a lot throughout. At the end of the season, there's a lot about messing with the spirits and having faith in them and everything. Um, so it's just really interesting that, <laughs> that a kid's show, is, the first season of it is really all about religion in a certain aspect of it right it's a it's a very unique religion it's kind of its own thing i always hated that it was uh, the three books are was it water earth and fire and yes. i guess they're sort of corresponding with the location that in which they're taking place the most or something like or maybe it just was yeah. arbitrary maybe it's, they just it's, think, but there's uh, it's four, where angus training it there's four elements and there's only three books, and that drives me insane. So I always hated that. So I always liked the naming of the core <laughs> books better. So yeah, if you had to pick one for this, uh, hope or faith, 
there is kind of a lot of, uh, not well, come to Jesus moments, but come to Aang moments, if you will, where he's starting to reveal himself to the world and gives people hope. Um, and even mm-hmm. the other, it gives the opposition hope as well. So yeah, I like that. That's an excellent name for this series. And I always hated the fact that it was called Book One, Water. Personal well, opinion. I got it. No, it was, no it was named behind. after what element he was learning that season. But. It, it makes sense. It bores me, though. Korra's Cor- <laughs> interventions are better. Yeah. And also Korra... Never mind. We won't, we won't get into Korra. Into, into You're know, a long ways uh, But uh, so, scene. I haven't this even are... been able to afford <laughs> yeah. those DVDs yet. You've got to give me some time. <laughs> uh, um, so this, this is our first, uh, our first meet with Commander Zhao, the second antagonist to the show. Um, incidentally enough, right before this, like he gets promoted three times in a span of like three months. And that's yeah, after like he gets like beat months. up by a kid, which spoiler alert, it's going to happen. Yeah. But that's after he gets beat up by Zuko and he's clearly not very good at his job and he's still getting promoted. So I don't know where he works, but I'm interested. Yeah. Um, I, I know my, my career trajectory was not that great. Nope. Uh, yeah, he's the captain before this. Now he's now he's the admiral, and then he, I think he's commander. Then he becomes admiral, admiral Zhao, commander Zhao, admiral, whatever. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I, know I army don't remember rankings which is which. But he's one of those two, rankings. and then he's the other one, and then later on he gets yeah. something yeah. else. I think he he gets become, if he's commander right now, he becomes admiral later. Maybe his dad is like higher up in the Fire Nation. He's got some say or something. I don't yeah, know how that works. Did. Uh, but but the thing I find the thing that uh, that I want to highlight with this scene is that in the previous episode, our only antagonist is Zuko, and he is pretty much shown as just being kind of pure evil in that first episode. I Me, mean, it's the pilot; it's what you have to do. Um, but then when you have a character who is the antagonist, who's a bad guy, and then you have a character who's worse than him, that makes the original that makes Zuko seem more relatable and you root for him more. Like, all right, I'm going to just choose the lesser of these two evils here and I'm going to root with Zuko. And they paint that picture. Like, they don't paint Amro Zhao in any type of good light here. So one thing that uh, those the two people from work that actually watched this and they brought up and why I was actually appreciative and they didn't just come up and say, hey, thanks, we liked it, but they actually had some commentary. <laughs> and one thing that we, we talked about a little bit is that Zuko and Iroh, even at this point, you can already tell that they... They've got some depth as villains for for a TV show or a cartoon kids show villains. They actually do have some depth, and it does start in this episode where you start to see and feel Suko as a real human. Where honestly, you can look at all the other villains in the show, and it that I mean, there's depth there, and we'll get to that when those episodes come along. And it's been too long since I watched them to comment too much, but uh, Zuko definitely is the most relatable and the most human feeling. He just he gets more development, more. Uh, true human depth, I guess. I'm not sure how to describe it, but he definitely feels the most real of any villain you meet in this show, I think. Him and Iroh. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of Iroh, there's a quick little uh, little comedy thrown in here. I mean, they do a good job of balancing right away, that throughout yeah. the whole series. Um, where Zhao's asking them what happens to your ship, because they're at the shipyard and the ship needs a bunch of repairs. And then Zuko's just like, uh... Like he he's having a hard time come up with it, and he's just like, uh, "Uncle, tell him what happened." And then because yeah, they are not prepared to like, share, they're not prepared to share it at all, right? And so, but yeah, you already get the feeling that Zhao is very suspicious, but maybe Zhao is also just a jerk. We're not positive yet. It's been yeah. it's very early. He might just be a jerk though. 
So the next scene then flips to the other half of the story. Yeah, so the this episode really flips back and forth all throughout this episode. Um, and here we have, you know, our our group, mm-hmm. our team avatar, as it will become to be called, of uh, so Sokka, Katara, and Aang are on the way to the Southern Air Temple, um, where Aang is really anxious because he still believes that you know that the that the Airbenders aren't gone. And he thinks that because hey, you need a Sky Bison to get here. Um, and no one Fire Nation doesn't have Sky Bison, uh, which I find that logic a little bit faulty because there are dragons, and and maybe the dragons are able to get up there. Um, and but Aang knows that there are dragons. That, yeah, so Aang, I mean, Aang's a kid, right? So he's going to hyperbolize. And then, uh, you know, maybe he's heard of dragons and teachings and stuff, but if he doesn't have a, a real tangible connection in his mind, that might just be, you know, this is a parable or a fairy tale or something yeah. similar. He's a kid. He hyperbolizes. Yeah. Oh, and then Katara is Katara is is trying to get him to slowly to get him with the to the realization of the disappointment that you need to be prepared that you know all your loved ones, your own culture, has been completely wiped from this world. Uh, and it it does take place slowly over the entire episode, and it culminates very nicely, and it definitely becomes the the most important part of the entire episode, that sort of uh, culmination and realization in Aang's mind. And then, of course, just when you get to this new air temple and it's new and exciting and pretty and you haven't seen anything like it, you flip back to the other story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and here, I mean, like you have there, Zhao is just questioning Zuko on everything. Um, then at this point, I, th- I mean, there, you can definitely see some combativeness, combativeness between the two. Um, at this point, I believe that Zhao finds out that that Zuko had the had the avatar. Um, that's kind of I feel like that's the only main thing they addressed. Yeah, they talked just a little bit about the war, and then at the end of it, at the end of this segment, I believe is when the crew comes in and says they've investigated uh, or interro- mm-hmm. sorry interrogated the the crew from the ship and found out they saw the avatar. I think that happens all at the end of this scene. And up to this point, and it's yeah, a common, also it's a common piece with this whole side of the storyline, and it just it is not as exciting a storyline to me. It's kind of a distraction from the rest of the episode. Is because that this side of the storyline is almost all dialogue. Uh, most of it's in a red room mm-hmm. on a red ship, and it's a lot of dialogue. So it, sometimes it feels like <laughs> a distraction. Yeah. Um, also, it's, they, they continue to do exposition in this episode, like they did in the last one. I think they do it even better in this episode. And I thought they did great in the last one. Um, these are really normal conversation for these characters to be having. Um, right when, uh, right when Zhao's talking to Zuko, he's saying we're nearing victory in the war. Um, and Zuko, who clearly, <laughs> I mean, uh, Zuko just outlat states. If my father thinks that the world will, ba- will bend over about for him, then he is a fool. And then I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa there, Zuko. Kid's got <laughs> like, some like, calling... teen tood going on. You know, he's got some motsy. Little, re- little rebellious towards mom and dad right now. You'll grow out of yeah. a kid. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then we subtly learn from Zhao that, you know, Zhao then says, two years at sea hasn't, hasn't uh, quelled your, I forget the exact words. Calmed your temper, quelled your temper, yeah, something com- like that. Yeah, quelled, he said quelled, quelled something, calmed your temper. Essentially, so now with that piece of information, we know that Zuko has been at 
see looking for the avatar for two years. And that he has a renowned case of a uh, renowned case of Tood. Good old teenage Tood. All right, so then it flips back to the temple, and this isn't really a full scene so much as it's kind of a single or a handful of frames of animation where Aang just comments on how barren the temple is. Yeah, Aang is just yeah he's 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 slowly coming to grips with it. Like he says, "Gosh, this place used to be filled with such joy and 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 greenery and stuff, and now it's just a a wasteland with tumbleweeds." Um, and I think this scene. Here is is shown to really um, to be a contrast to the flashbacks coming up. Yeah, because the flashback, and uh, I mean, we just get one still of it, so I probably didn't do a, gra- a great job of grabbing one scene. Uh, but everything is just, I mean, it, it's green and alive, and just like you would picture most uh, most like happy cartoon protagonist cities, or like the city in an RPG, the main city where everybody's happy and there's so much greenery and life there. Um, so yeah, I I agree completely. Hopefully, I don't remember which screenshot I captured of that, but hopefully it represents that in some way. Uh, this isn't really a scene so much as that uh, last time we had a clip of of uh, Sokka falling into some snow or falling off. I think he's fallen off of the the ramp up to the ship, and then in this scene here, I just liked it because he's falling off of stuff again. So I decided I'm going to try to capture every single time that happens. Uh, so right now we're at two. <laughs> Uh, there's 60 some on episode, uh, some odd episodes that puts the over under. We've got two and three episodes somewhere in the realm of 30. I think he's going to exceed uh, 30 falls. I'm going to try to capture every one of them. We'll take a count at the end. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go under on that one. Under 30. All right. I'll take, uh, I'll take 31 up. You can have 29 and over and uh, <laughs> Charlie, my dog, he can have the exact 30. He's the, uh, he was the uh, Vegas odds maker in this case. So then we get to the actual <laughs> trucks of the scene here. Uh, yeah, so uh, so that scene is that you know the the crew, the the Ang, Ang and Katara and Sokka are just exploring the the air temple, and Katara comes across a a, a Fire Nation helmet. Which clearly, there might have been some friendly fire there because it is burnt. Airbenders. Yeah, he might have picked. Yeah, Although, technically, they somebody batted fire maybe. back at him. Maybe like the same, did the same <laughs> angle. fire. That's a, that's a common technique. Is the uh, yeah. the baseball fire swing? Yeah, or maybe an Airbender like pushed the air back at him. Yeah. Um, Could have been less fun than a baseball bat, whatever. Um, <laughs> but, so at first, Katara calls over Aang, um, and then she, then she completely just goes away from that plan, and she covers it all up with snow. I mean, that just continues to show Katara trying to care for Aang and protect him, even when in this case, it's probably not that great to to protect him. Like, it's just... You're just del- delaying the inevitable. A very painful inevitable. Uh, I, I think it's worth noting, too, that she, pretty confident that she's the one that calls him over to see the fire helmet in the first place, mm-hmm. and then she changes her mind. Um, I'm pretty confident. I don't think it's Sokka that does it, and then she covers it up. It's She's still fighting her own mental battle, and I think that's uh, kind of an important piece of her character and the type of uh, the type of friend she's still trying to figure out how to be for Aang. So then we get to the flashback. Yes, this is our first flashback. Um, and we, we meet Monk Yatsu, which is Aang's... At this point, you don't really know his, his guardian. Actually, I don't think any of them really have guardians. But I feel like Monk Yatsu is his guardian. That's never really confirmed, Maybe but he loves Monk Yatsu. There's probably a good word for it. I'm yeah. Mentor sounds okay. 
Uh, and then, uh, sorry, I should have led into this better. Basically, that so they wander into the temple after Katara covers uh, the helmet up with snow, and they wander into the temple and they see the statue of Monkey Atto. Um, yeah, then, then he has a flashback about it, and in in this flashback, Aang is dealing with kind of just learning he was the he's he's the avatar and he's like don't isn't there a mistake or something and Magas says no the only mistake was telling you before your 16th birthday um so now we learn that that impression was all right dead really on. i want to pull it, it felt great just as, no you killed it i wish i wish we, i wish i had a clip right here just to like all right close your eyes who said this i think he had background um, music in his it'd probably be giveaway yeah, dead giveaway. Um, uh, uh, but then you get to also learn. So you learn that Aang is probably too immature to really know this, and he's not necessarily ready or excited for the responsibility of being the Avatar. Um, also, you get to learn where Aang gets his, uh, his cheekiness from, and because uh, as they're baking these pies. They uh, toss them at a bunch of air nomads. At a bunch of yeah, air nomads. Yeah, they. Get, these are like master air nomads. They all got arrows on them. They right. These are these are not rookies. They all look like they're a hundred years old. And Aang <laughs> just gets done having this really deep conversation with Monkey Yatso. I mean, about his future, his life as the Avatar. And then Gyatso's like, "All right, look." I mean, he doesn't say it. He's like, "You're gonna help me with these pies," and you're like, "They're gonna eat those pies." And then they just throw them on some other monks. Like, eating a whole pie is probably irresponsible enough by itself uh, for an air nomad. I imagine you need to be lighter to fly better. I don't know. Maybe that's not true. So uh, you get it. Also, it takes it takes a couple of steps till you realize, like, no, he's he's pretty silly, and that's probably where Aang gets some of his goofiness for sure. Yeah. Um, and also, we, we touched on it uh, before, is that in these in these you know temples in the air in the air nation, they they don't have traditional families, um, which is why I was saying that Monkeyatso, I believe, is his guardian or his or his you know mentor. Um, they're all separated into uh, they separate the genders, so all of the um, all the males and the boys they go to the southern and the northern air temples while all the ladies <laughs> and girls <laughs> go to the uh western and eastern air temples i still want and, to know how those long distance relationships work without social media without cell phones is there a current well, i don't think service? they have relationships um i mean as as we learned earlier like they yeah, I don't think they well, you know, wait, they do have relationships. Now I think about it. They had to have relationships. <laughs> Which is something that men and women had to have relationships to have so what you're getting at here is uh, something we touched on and the thing that I had to delete because the audio was terrible um was that uh, they yeah. they're very open. You know, I'll let you take this part, but the point is yeah, they have to have like male female like there's got to be cross <laughs> temple relationships happening uh for kids to be born, for young air nomads to be born. Yeah, there, well, there are definitely relationships, and there are, um, as we we talked about before, you know, there's also same same sex relationships, which I guess that would happen on an island full of men. I mean, not for me, but but, <laughs> but you can see you can see how it would spawn. I get it. I've seen movies yeah. about prison. I I know how it works. <laughs> I've watched Oz. 
at like <laughs> the age of 12. Don't know why, but I love that show. I was going to go with Shawshank. Mm, that is strange you. is both how it happens and then the fact that when it happens, somebody <laughs> apparently your baby just gets taken away. It's like, all right, well, he's a dude, so we're going to put him over yeah. here. <laughs> it's a little, well, I, mean, I, I think would part say of that qualifies that... as non-traditional. <laughs> And I think part of that is, as you know, Airbender theology is is uh, is part of it is is detach yourself from worldly worldly attachments, um, which we're going to learn that really well in future future episodes of Korra, and also episodes of of uh, towards the second season finale with with Monk with the Guru Batik. Um, and I'm glad we're having this that, talk now because the first time I watched that episode. Uh, the same thing did not register as what registered the last time we tried to record this episode that we'll get to at the end where we start talking about Qatar. I'm glad you brought that up. So next time I see that episode, I'll be different mental mm-hmm. place. Yeah. Um, oh crap. I forgot the point I was trying to take, <laughs> trying to give. Uh, oh, that, that you can only reach true spiritual enlightenment when you detach yourself from all worldly, all uh, worldly attachments. Um, so I think that's maybe why they kind of split families apart. Like they don't mind having that love with one another, but then it's like, eh, need some distance. <laughs> Something to be said too uh, for uh, you know they seem like a very loving, peaceful people, and you'd like to wonder if part of that message there is more uh, like think less about separating the families and more about you're going to learn to live with and love everybody as a family in this yeah. group in this colony that you're with. So yeah, you can put a positive spin on it. I think. Yeah. One of the more interesting things is that, like, they are nomads. Like, they travel the world, and they do, I think, leave their, you know, seeds <laughs> all across <laughs> the world. There's... <laughs> um, Sir, I'm not mature enough for this kind of conversation. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, th- there, there's, like, some some uh, some fan theories out there on just how how uh like how maybe ang isn't the last airbender i mean they're not right but there's some there's some theories out there and then you get into Korra, you can also have some theories there maybe um, uh, he might be the last airbender but maybe he's not the last in any given line of airbenders as far as yeah like with like it's... there's something genetically maybe <laughs> that keeps that goes outside of ang goes to other people um, the filthy but, sailors yeah. <laughs> going from, yes yeah going from temple to temple <laughs> yeah, pretty much. See, this um, makes me want to jump ahead to Korra, where it just feels like it'll be more appropriate to talk about like uh, just more yeah. adult themes and stuff. Whereas here, it all like it all feels like it's so far ahead of where we're at right now in this episode, <laughs> where we're still meeting this first Airbender, <laughs> yeah. and we've already gone into like the reproductive cycles of all Airbenders and genetics and stuff. So, getting me excited for Korra. All right, yeah. uh, all right well, that, that was a good scene, good flashback. So that gets us back to the other story here, which we believe at this point that Zhao knows that Suko has found the airbender, and so mm-hmm. he's got them both in the war room for a little interrogation. Yes, we learn we learn a lot about Zuko in this flashback. Um, uh, so you know, Zuko, Zhao's pretty much telling Zuko, "Listen, I'm not going to leave this to a kid. Like, you're you're just." You couldn't even handle him before. I'm taking over. You just get out of my way, pretty much. And Zuko's pretty much like, no, I've been hunting the Avatar for like three years now. I'm not going to end this. And then they kind of get into a heated scuffle. 
Um, I forget what Zhao says to set to go off. Um, oh, he says, he's talking about how much of a failure Zuko is. He was like, your own father doesn't even want you. And he's, and he, your own father doesn't even want you and you have the scar to prove it. <laughs> so then we learn, oh, something happened. Like that scar isn't like a birth defect or anything. Like he got that scar from some type of firebending. Um, but then Zuko says, how would you like one to match? Agni Kai. Mm-hmm. And then, and they pretty much kind of, uh, kind of, they, then you learn what Agni Kai is, it's like a fire duel. Um, and then Iroh tells Zuko, you know, don't you, you sure you want to do this? Like, don't you remember what happened last time that you challenged the master in Agni Kai? And then the camera's on Zuko on his good side. And then it kind of pans over mm. to like, I will never forget. And then it's just, mm, it's a, the camera. <laughs> so, you know, that that moment, whatever it was, we don't know what it is yet. We know it, he, cha- he was challenged by an Agni Kai at some point. Um, you know, that moment has such a huge impact on his life. Like that completely changed his trajectory for life. Um, I think, but he's still willing to have another Agni Kai. I think based on the statements, he can probably infer that it was his dad too. Cause, uh, Zhao mentioned something <laughs> It's pretty clear about like, uh, you get the scar to prove it. Your own father doesn't want you to get the scar. Like it's pretty clear. And so you're like, all right, he probably picked a fight with his dad and apparently he lost. And also, Zhao is like resorting to like very childish tactics here. And so I think this is the first point, or at least it's a turning point in my mind where I was like, all right, I know he's a jerk, but I really hope that Zuko punches him or something like this. It it just turned a page for him. He's being a child. He's acting like a child talking to another child. Uh, But otherwise, this scene is kind of boring because it's mostly just dialogue. And even when they say Agni Kai, it's not like Dragon Ball Z music pops up or anything like that. They're just like Agni Kai. And (laughs) that's it. And then we cut back to the other story. So it's not the most exciting scene. Uh, yeah, I did love a great Iroh scene in this. Um, <laughs> so when Zuko gets pissed off, he throws the table with the tea on it and everything. And then Iroh just goes, more tea, please. <laughs> like, and just, just, a, just a central just Iroh chill. fashion. Just chill. Yeah. yeah, like none of this throws him at all. <laughs> Which I think is almost because he's just like, I am like you guys are having like a pissing contest right now, but anyway, I'm not. I don't. I don't. Anyway. Is he that chill because <laughs> I, because he drinks tea all the time? Like, is it a cycle? He's it's drinking. Probably, it's like, probably just the tea thing. Drinking lavender. He just wants more tea, teas, so he's just uh, he's just in he's a pro- good mental state all the time. Yeah, he's he's probably really chill now because it's like this tea right now is the most important thing. I'll, I'll help you out, Zuko, later, but I just want some more tea, please. It's going to chill me out right now. I've also, I would like to point out, I've been drinking tea at work, so I don't want to drink too much coffee, because I don't even like coffee, uh, but I also have gained a bunch of weight, and uh, still from last winter, I keep saying last winter, winter is like eight months gone or something crazy. It's like, I gained a bunch of weight, so I've been trying to drink no-calorie drinks, so I've been drinking hot tea. It's July. It's, it's, all, it's mid-July, or almost August, and I'm drinking hot tea at work, which is ludicrous. But then as I'm doing it, I'm like, I can see why Iroh gets into this. It's very nice. It's very, very mm. calming. Yeah, I don't, I don't drink tea. And, you know, I'm pretty sure I told you before, I'm trying to get through life without drinking coffee. 
I think you can totally do without the coffee and the, you know, no harm, no foul there. But uh, you ought to try good lavender tea before you go to bed sometime. If you have trouble sleeping, mm. good lavender tea. Not me out. I'm great at sleeping. <laughs> One of your many <laughs> talents, sleeping. I, and, and I've gotten better at, it, better at it, too, as I've gotten older. I think once like, you have can... children, you have to get better at sleeping or you won't get to sleep ever. Actually, I think that's a rule. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, we cut uh, away all right, from so all, the, all the not terribly exciting dialogue. And then we get to like my favorite scene in the first several episodes. Yes, we learn a lot about we learn a lot about just the Avatar. And when I was watching this episode, um, I think I maybe barely watched the first episode a little bit. But I didn't catch a lot of it. This is really I just knew Avatar is something, body daddy, whatever. Um, but this is the first episode that I really watched. And so this scene here, it really helps explain to me what the Avatar is and that, oh, it's just, it's, it's one person, one kind of spirit who's born into all the different nations. And there has been thousands of Avatars. And just seeing all the statues there, and even now you can't see them as well as you can later, but like just in this screenshot here, you're looking at one, two, three, four, five, six rows with how, <laughs> who knows how many. So it's like, you kind of yeah. get a pretty good idea at that point if you're thinking about it like this has been forever this is not a recent thing where one guy was like born a mutant this is a an eternal kind of cycle at least it feels that way so very revealing very early uh but then we get scared in the so we're still in the temple and the doors are open and they are approached by apparently an enemy Oh, yeah, this is our uh, first meal with Momo. Also to note, Sokka is really hungry in this episode. That becomes a very important <laughs> plot point. In yeah, and it so. kind of becomes, becomes a, a weak plot point. Uh, <laughs> like, it's kind of, the, the plot, the the confrontation in this, uh, this side of the story is just Aang wanting to uh, befriend Momo as he sees him, and Sokka wanting to eat Momo. Um, and that confrontation really isn't, that story is really weak. This uh, old, it's really yeah. just to get us to another location that sets off Aang in a certain way. Like, yeah. Especially compared to the other story, while there's conf- real confrontation between Zhao and Zuko, yeah. this side one here seems to be really... The real confrontation is Aang versus himself and versus uh, reality. Yeah, but the other, the other story doesn't have a monkey, and that's negative points in my book. Uh, but anyway, mm. Samomo so comes in. They think he's Fire Nation at first because of the pointy, the pointiness on him. And it turns out he's a monkey. And then Sokka runs off after him and wants to eat him. And then it flips right back to the actual Agni Kai challenge. Um, I don't think it... Ah, correct me if I'm wrong here. I don't believe that in this scene it's actually happening. I think in this scene they're both just outside getting prepped. Ripping their shirts off and that kind of thing. Um. Yeah, it's starting. Um, we get into the first sequence uh, of actions here. I think actually, they, I think they're just think, outside prepping. I think I mean, they do Arrow's start. giving Suko the the talk. Do they start yeah. the fighting here before we cut to um, the other scene? That's. I think they might start to fight like in the show right after this because I think they have you know the the huge like here's here's his face here's his face and then it kind of just cuts into some like action happening. I believe that's how it happens. I'm not. It's a testament to this episode sure. being very jarring, but uh, we'll talk about it a little more later too. That everything from the color palettes to the depth and quality of the stories going on is just very jarring. 
it's not confusing. It's easy to keep the separate story separate and to remember what's going on. Uh, but it just feels like it's constantly back and forth. And that's not my favorite. It's okay. It's not my favorite. So anyway, we get started on the Agni Kai challenge. They're both outside looking. They're both completely ripped and shirtless because you got to be that way when you fight somebody. And then um, as Aang and Sokka are chasing Momo, Aang finally comes across Monk Yasso's um, skeleton. And, and, uh, and the thing I realized about seeing is that I think... Ah, I forgot his name. Zachary Tyler, I think is his name. The voice actor of Aang. You wouldn't. Yeah, you wouldn't know. (laughs) (laughs) Granted, I I only know... Avatar Burn! Yeah, you wouldn't... Um, You don't even know who Zach uh, Tyler is. I think... Yeah. (laughs) I wonder what he's up to now. Sometimes I go back and I Google... Like, I think I recently looked it up a couple of days ago and he, yeah, he's not doing nothing but I can hey, guarantee you I've googled my own name far more times than I've ever googled Zach Tyler's name I never google my name you should try it sometime <laughs> especially all. no offense you have kind of a common name I mean, there's no offense need to be taken you have a no common that's name. why that's why I don't google it you're gonna find some amazing Chris Fords out there you're gonna be astounded back to I interrupted myself went through a huge little tangent there <laughs> um so Ang finds Mugyasa's Skeleton, skeletal remains. Momo and, leads them um, to this skeleton, to his room. Yeah. Um, oh, dang it. Okay, let me. I'm, I got to get back to a, a point that I was remembering. Um, okay. Um, so in, in this moment, uh, Aang, Aang sort of starts to cry. You can hear it very subtly in, in the voice actor's voice. Like, it's sort of just like an emotional cry, and then he kind of gets pissed. Um, I'm going to jump right back to this side point that I was thinking of before we get really into this because it's an important scene. Um, but the side thing I'm going to say isn't important at all. Um, so when they were originally thinking about like Momo's character, <laughs> um, I believe the first sketch of Momo is actually of him as a monkey. Uh, as a Well, he is a monkey. As a robot He's a monkey-ish robot thing. Monkey, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there was also uh, Naga, which is Korra's kind of spirit animal. Um, he was with Aang. And then they scratched that, put in Appa. Uh, that was a good decision, um, but and then they turned him into they turned Momo into natural monkey. And at first, they're going to have Monk Yatso's spirit be reincarnated into Momo. Sounds amazing. That sounds like a missed opportunity <laughs> right there. And I mean, like, I'm oh, wait, fine. He's a plot way, point that Sokka is going to eat him, so maybe that's not a great <laughs> idea. Yeah, but it's interesting that Momo led them to Monk Yatso. <clears throat> A nice toss in. I do. I feel like I've seen the sketch of Momo as a robot monkey before because it was very, mm-hmm. it's kind of steampunkish in a way that later on yes. in the series we do get to some kind of steampunkish technology. Um, I want to say maybe mid book two, late book two, early book three, we start to see some more of that going on. Okay, yeah, so they stumble. And then, they and stumble then, on yeah, them. then Aang gets pissed off, goes into the Avatar state. Sokka. Cannot console him at all. Even though Sokka says, "Hey, I wasn't, I wasn't really gonna eat him." One thing, I think Sokka is lying. Like <laughs> he was definitely Sokka, gonna Sokka eat did him not waste him. all that energy. Yeah. It's like you know what? He found his dead father's bones. I really shouldn't eat his monkey friend right <laughs> we'll now. Pick this up later. His monkey friend that maybe was supposed to be the reincarnation of his yeah. dead friend that's sitting in front of us. Yeah, that good choice, Sokka. Wait, it. That's the first time that maybe Sokka has uh, showed some, some showed some restraint. Good job, buddy. See, we were Sounds nice like to Sokka. Check that off the list. Yeah. I think Sokka and Momo, they have a lot of great moments together. And, and that's the thing about Sokka. Like, 
Sokka grows on everyone, I think. Or everyone grows on Sokka. Maybe both. Yeah, probably both. Um, he definitely, yeah. once we, uh, uh, I can't remember if this is something we said in the original episode that I published or the one that wasn't publishable, but by the time we get to the episode with Sparky Sparky Boom Man, by the time we get to that point, I feel like that, in my mind, that's sort of a, it's not a turning point for Sokka, but that's where I realized, like, you know what, Sokka really has been growing on me. He's slowly become one of my favorite characters. <laughs> Uh, but it does take a long time. There's there's a good. That's what it takes. Gosh, yeah, you don't like Saga. It took you that long because he's he's still kind of a little. <laughs> it took overly, you till season three. He's still pretty overly machismo through most, even through season three. He's got some character things that don't mesh well with me. But at that point, uh, it was with like that first time watching through, and I realized, you know what? Actually, he has been growing on me this time. It's just at that point that you realize you're laughing, you're kind of connecting, sharing a moment when he's uh, about to be shot down by some guy with a laser shooting forehead, and you start to connect with him right there. <laughs> or you realize that you have been connecting with him. Or maybe that's just me. Uh, so we go to the Avatar state, which you mentioned, and I just grabbed that whole scene, uh, that whole video scene here, because it's really cool. Oh, yes. It's a great scene. Yes, it is. It's fantastic. This is the first time we truly see the Avatar state. Oh, this is amazing. All the eyes light up in the whole circle. And this is when you realize how long it's been going on. Yeah. Sorry, my TV's over here. I'm not, like, just falling asleep. <laughs> this is yeah, the part then, that we will touch on in the same moment that bothers me. <laughs> so all the other, all these elders from the other nations are being alerted that the Avatar is entering the Avatar state by their various statues glowing or whatever. They're all seeing this, and it's very important because it's sort of Avatar's announcement to the world that he exists. But mm -hmm. the issue that we, the, well, that I have, and we talked about it last time a little bit, is that he already kind of went into the Avatar state in the second episode where he spins up, he spirals out of the water and essentially saves himself from dying. So there is some difference in there. Maybe it's implied or maybe it's just sweep it under the rug and don't talk about it. But like he already went into the Avatar state once, but this is the first time when he goes into it that like the whole world is alerted. So it's like maybe last time he just he just like got one thousand power level one thousand avatar. But this time his power level's over nine thousand over here. It's the first official Avatar state. So amazing scene, but it does raise that question for me of why the first time it wasn't recognized. Maybe it's just too quick. Signal didn't uh signal didn't mesh up. <laughs> um, yeah, this it definitely is like a, a plot hole that the other statues didn't light up the first time you went to Avatar State. I mean, the only like actual end story reason I would have for it is that maybe this one is more of an emotional Avatar State. The other one was a self-defense mechanism Avatar yeah. State, but that's kind of faulty logic. It might be faulty logic. It's something I would say there's probably something to do. Like, like last time it really was self-defense. He just kind of spiraled out of the water. And then it was kind of done. Yeah. It was very quick. So, like, this time, yeah. maybe there really is not certain levels, but it just truly yeah, is a full-on Avatar just... state versus just sort of an uh, an Avatar power of self-defense in the first one case. Maybe not great logic. It's cartoon logic, though. I'll buy yeah. that. Uh, I mean, story-wise and just episode structure-wise, I like it better um, because it makes for this great moment, as we see. And also, just a lot of stuff happened in those first couple episodes, I think it was good to save it for, for this episode. 
Um, but yeah, this Avatar state was definitely stronger, and it was held much, much longer. Like, Aang is pretty much stuck in the Avatar state. Right, there's a there's a sort of element of control <clears throat> lost. Um, just naturally, not in a self-defense way, like just him letting himself go. So there's probably something there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it really is important, yeah. because, I mean, obviously you see the length of time the Avatar has been, but then also there's these other... I don't know what to call them. I'm going to call them like religious leaders or religious figureheads. Uh, well, in the Fire Nation, those are the Fire Sages. And so, uh, right, some sort of, uh, I guess, philosophical figureheads of these individual nations that are the first to learn um, outside of Zuko, of course, um, Zuko and the crew, that the Avatar is back. And that's kind of important because they're going to connect into a religious theme. It's just being revealed to a select small group of people so that hope isn't widespread yet but it is definitive Mm -hmm. he has revealed himself to a select group of people whether he meant to or not and i think that's pretty important yeah i would say i tried to go back and watch this episode with commentary on and then because i have the blu-rays um i have a negative review on the blu-rays because they don't have commentary on each episode they only provide for a handful of episodes in the dvd or the blu-ray right really I don't think they I have full I remember, commentary anywhere, do they? I could be wrong. I, I remember watching the DVD like several times with just the commentary on for like every episode. That's crazy. Maybe I'm maybe I'm maybe I'm not remembering that right, but I think I remember there being commentary on like every single episode. I don't. Um, uh, but I gave my I gave my DVDs away um, to someone because I was like, oh, I got the Blu-rays now. To give and me here, Gwinches. I'll share the love of Avatar. Give me Gwinches, didn't you? No, I gave it to uh, um, to a uh, setter. No, oh, okay, that's fine. His kids will probably eat it up. He's got his kids are yeah, super no, his... duper intelligent. They're like five. Yeah. They're probably talking about it the same way that we're talking about it right now, and they're probably five years old or something. They're... Yeah, I caught up with him. He said they they were really liking it, so that's good. That warms my avatar heart. I will take that sacrifice. That I can't my... listen to the commentary. <laughs> my uh, cheap. So I remember looking up on my. I just got like the cheap way after market mm-hmm. DVD set. And I remember that only, so like the pilot episode, I think I can watch that, the real pilot. But I think even on this set that not all the commentary was available. It's only a handful of episodes. Mm. So not that necessarily means it's the only ones they've done, but I don't have access to yeah. all of them, I don't think. I mean, granted, I can't complain. Like the DVDs I had, they were bootleg. Because um, I, <laughs> I got them in college and I was broke and someone just said, hey, you want these copies of Avatar? And I said, yeah, that's one of the greatest shows of all time. Well, they were probably and I told off, the, uh, off the actual, like, the nice volume yes. book ones. Yeah. Yes. The, the yeah, they copied them. Yeah they, yeah, they straight up just copied it to, to another disc. And I kept telling myself, like, all right, one day, I'll, one day I'll buy it, but I'll wait until it's on Blu-ray. And finally, like 10 years later, finally came out on Blu-ray. Uh, I think to punish myself, I bought The Last Airbender on DVD. <laughs> to, like, sort of reconcile... But you know what? Yeah. It did. It did. It, that's like the happiest story of a bootleg, where you like you liked it so much that you did go purchase it. Like, that's the good side. You didn't just like <laughs> hoard it and then just never pay for it. So see, it's, whatever. It's all right. Yeah. And I bought every season of Korra even before that. And I, I, I have like two statues. I've given probably about three hundred. Mm, yeah, maybe close to three hundred dollars on Avatar stuff. <laughs> uh, but did you give it to used markets? Because when you spend money at vintage stock, like that's not going to Nickelodeon. You don't no. get to let that ride no. off your conscience. No. <laughs> no, I bought I bought the core 
Blu-rays like first day they came out at Target. Okay. All right, that's legit. That's fine. <laughs> there's there's a spider over there, and if I could be an Airbender, like now would be the time because there's a spider crawling up my wall, and I just. Although, if you were an air nomad, you wouldn't take life. All life is precious. New, I would probably be banned from the Air Nation because I hate spiders. <laughs> that would not work well. Anyway, off, t- off topic. Long story short, this is an amazing scene. <laughs> it is the most exciting <laughs> scene that happened so far because it's extremely revealing on a number of different levels for Aang, for the whole world. And it's extremely well animated through and through. It's very detailed, probably to the point we haven't seen. So, excellent scene. I highly recommend you watch it. And then that leads back to the Agni Kai. Uh, maybe still in combat, or maybe it's finishing up. I really don't remember. <laughs> uh, yeah, but so, in this Agni Kai, it's, it's a pretty short fight. Um, and also, their firebending really isn't that spectacular, I don't think, especially compared to firebending. See, the fighting, the fighting coordination, I think, is, is great. I mean, you know, they actually use real, real life techniques. I believe firebending is based off of Northern Shaolin. I believe so. Um, I'm nodding my head in agreement. I have no. That sounds great. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Um, <laughs> so all four, you, you um, mentioned all four nations have a unique fighting style that is that does resemble yes. something real. Yes, waterbending is based off of Tai Chi. Um, Airbending is based off of Bagua. No idea. And what that is. Earthbending is based off of um, Earthbending is based off of Tiger Crane style. It's not based off of WrestleMania because that's one of the earlier entries in the Earthbending series. <laughs> Great episode! Oh, I can't no, wait for that episode. Um, speaking of WrestleMania, the one thing I didn't want to lose from this episode is that uh, so Zhao is winning very clearly, and Iroh's yelling at Suko and trying to give him advice and stuff. He's backseat driving, and then Zuko is like on the ground. He's about to get pummeled. Oh, yeah. And then he does. This is the only thing from the from the one that I couldn't publish because the bad audio. I was like, I got to remember this because I love talking about it. Is he straight up does like a Booker T spin a Rooney to kick himself up yeah. off the ground and sweep Commander Zhao all at the same time. <laughs> I, I, I watched it a couple of times. I was like, that's dead on spin a Rooney. Like the guys that animated this are like, we got to work Booker T in here somewhere. Huge wrestling fans, apparently. And then, but the point, the the important part of that is the tide turns extremely quick, quickly. Zuko's about to get pummeled, does the spin rooney sweep Xiao, and from that point on, just uh, exact opposite, turns very quickly. And it is a quick fight, uh, but it also is very exciting. It's like a like a teaser for exciting, better firebending to come. Yeah, Zuko gets, he definitely gets the upper hand. At one point, he, he can deliver the final death blow, and Zhao's on the floor, and uh, he says, do it! And then Zuko, of course, like, fires a fire blast at him, but it just goes to the side of him. And then Zhao says, your father raised a coward. Which is, of course, like the, the jerky thing to say. That's exactly what that I believe just, just take the L. <laughs> He's so, so <laughs> ungracious. Um, I can't remember yeah. if it's in this one or if it's in a similar one. Is it later when we actually see them walking away and... Uh, Zhao trying to attack Zuko from behind. I think yes. That's still yeah, right after, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right after that, uh, pretty much Zuko says, you get in my way again, then I won't be so, merciful, so uh, merciful, merciful. And then at that point, Zhao attacks from behind like with a huge fire blast, and Iroh just catches the foot and just pushes it. Like right. There's fire coming out of this foot, about to hit Zuko from behind. Yes. Like he's already in firebend mode. <laughs> 
And then you just see the scene of like Iroh just standing like left yeah. to right. Oh, it's... Just got him by the foot. And he's like a foot and a half shorter than Zhao. And just mm-hmm. flicks him across the room. And it's it's very yeah. endearing because then you start to just get a glimpse of Iroh's watching this whole time, cheering him on, trying to be a good sport, uh, cheering on his nephew, um, helping him grow as a firebender. But you don't have, he doesn't have any credibility yet until that scene when you're like, oh, wait, yeah, he could probably, we're, we're given the impression that he's probably a little more powerful than his tea drinking self likes to let on. Yeah. I gotta yeah, keep before that, that you just think, oh, so he's, he's fat and he likes to drink tea. Like that's that's going that's going to be what he is throughout the rest of the season. The little with some uh, comedic relief, comic, uh, yeah, comedic relief. Um, but yeah, he just shows like, and that happens a lot in fire bending. Like when someone fights you without using their fine bending, it's it's really disrespectful. Like <laughs> certain probably, characters do it. <laughs> Also, probably good to point out that he's letting Zuko fight his own battles. You know, it becomes apparent he could have jumped in and resolved the conflict, but uh, he has faith in Zuko that he can do it himself. He's letting Zuko fight that battle. Mm-hmm. Um, very important moment. And then, uh, so after he does that, and he says, uh, "I hope I get it right. Even in, even in exile, my nephew is more honorable than you will ever be. Thanks for the tea." And yeah. then they leave. Yeah. And Zuko <laughs> says. Uncle, did you really Pretty mean much the that? Was lovely. It's very touching. It's very beautiful. And Iroh says, of course I did. I love... I forget what kind of tea it is. Says, I love this jasmine kind of tea. tea. Jasmine? Is it jasmine? <laughs> I love jasmine tea. I think so. And then it just cuts away. Like You don't get to see any reaction to that or anything. Or like, There's no Zuko eye roll <laughs> or anything like that. You just... I I roll I roll coincidence. It just but then it's just gone and it's a very beautiful moment. <laughs> it's beautiful and it's comedy and it's a very powerful sequence for Iroh all in like it's a three or four seconds. Like you get all of Iroh. He's he's done developing. You see everything right there. But no, it's a really cool sequence uh, that shares a lot about who he is and why you're really gonna like him. And if you don't like him, then you probably shouldn't watch the show. <laughs> Such a great character. But all right. So anyway, that is a great scene too. That whole that side story, not my favorite. I mentioned or that side of the story, not my favorite. It just feels like it doesn't really lead to much, um, and it is a lot of dialogue. But you do, like I said, right there at the end, it is pretty exciting fight. Even if it's short, you learn a lot about Iroh, and then it does spark a rivalry between the two going forward too. So it doesn't just uh, it doesn't just end there. We unfortunately we have to see Zhao more. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then our next scene, Aang is just really mad. And this is this is a great frame, by the way, of Aang in the Avatar state. Like his eyes yeah, glowing, the arrows, tattoos are glowing. Um, but he looks otherworldly in this in this frame. Like he he looks like he's uncontrollable, just raw power happening. He's just um, seriously displaying one, some bipolar disorder here compared to normal Aang that we're used uh, to. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, that's yeah, that's interesting. It's a Clear dichotomy there. Otherworldly bipolarism. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and then Katara is just talking him down. Like, yeah, the airbenders are gone, but we're your family. Me and Sokka, we're your family now. Um, and that, that really, you know, that really brings Aang down to earth. And we see later that really she is his, his anchor to this world. Like, she is kind of the reason that, uh, that he lives, the reason that he you know, the, the reason that he doesn't go off and you know, she she controls him. 
And then what we were getting at earlier when we were talking about the air nomads, not necessarily having traditional families. And to be a true airbender, you have to let go of these worldly tethers like a traditional family or whatever. And so it is important mm-hmm. to note that, um, that Katara and Sokka are straight out coming out and sort of professing themselves to be uh, to be his family. And they are tying him down there. Like, you, it's very blatant. It's very clear in the wording. And we don't know as much about this storyline yet until we get to that episode later. Would you say that was early, yeah. early third season? Uh, that is the book season. Uh, that is the episode titled "The Guru." It is like episode seventeen or eighteen of season two. And so it's it's pretty no, heavy handed in that sense, where it's like you have to let go of your earthly yeah. tethers and your earthly uh, your earthly feelings, or whatever. I don't remember how he says it. But then, I mean, Katara is the issue for him. Um, and that is his family. Uh, it's just kind of a neat tie into the conversation we had earlier about air nomads having non-traditional families. Yeah, uh, which I really love way, way in the finale um, where uh, I, I, won't, I won't ruin that, but a certain person tells Aang that he's the avatar, that he can't necessarily live off of the um, off of the, the, t- the teachings of the air nomads because since he's the avatar, he has to connect to the world. That's almost the point of it, is that he is the, the good spirit. He's the whole bridge between the two worlds. He can't be that if he detaches himself from the world. Man, spoiler alert, I forgot all about that. Gosh. Huh. I really <laughs> did forget about that. And I, like, it's, not, it's not registering with me at all. I have no memory. So now I'm, I'm looking forward to like hearing that because uh, I had not made that connection. <laughs> good point. Um, hey. Uh, fake real quick commercial break. I didn't have a good commercial video this week. I just found this toy. It's like a creepy mask of of Aang. <laughs> and uh, this little, it's like a water gun that straps to your wrist. And I wanted so bad to find like a cheesy, terrible commercial about it and stuff. And I couldn't, uh, but I liked how creepy the mask was. And then all the Amazon reviews are like, yeah, the mask is really heavy and creepy. And the thing doesn't conform to your arm and it doesn't work at all. And then I thought, well, I should buy one and record my own commercial uh, but when I looked on eBay, there was one that was like $15, and it was broken, and it was just the arm piece. And there was one that was brand new for $100, and I didn't want to do that because, yeah. you no. Know. But uh point is, there's some creepy, creepy toys out there uh, from Avatar The Last Airbender. <laughs> some of them, I'm going to guess, the licensure on those may have been loosely monitored. Nickelo- yeah. Nickelodeon uh, licensed a lot of stuff in Viacom. Yeah, they did. So, uh, I will say the last commercial was great. Um, I really want that Alpha. I, uh, I'm, I'm right now. I'm watching something on eBay. There's an Alpha for sale for like four dollars right now is the bid, but uh, it's all the way in China. So sometimes I don't like buying stuff off of eBay from China. You forget uh, that it's coming, don't... and then it shows up on your doorstep <laughs> one day, and you're like, yeah. "Oh yeah." But all the other ones are like a hundred dollars. Um, so no one go out there and bid on it. Just let me try and bid on it. Chris, all you know, four I'll, of our I'll listeners are going to try to outbid you. This was a <laughs> terrible place to talk about that. <laughs> uh, but I had a great find. I go to Vintage Stock all the time. And I found this nice Zuko toy here, which is, uh, I really love it, actually. It That's has great cool. articulation. It is uh, highly He has detailed. the helmet and everything. Does the helmet detach? Like, And it has mitts material. Yeah, helmet detaches. Um, this is very detailed. It has a uh, it has has really great articulation. You can move them into different positions. Um, like it has, you know, like moving pieces on the ankle, the knee, the thighs. It's 
well, now we're getting into a toy review here, but to really like compare it to the twenty, you know, and I got it for two dollars. It dream. came with <laughs> it came with two other action figures that were like, all right, fine, I'll take them. One was a Green Arrow, and one was Dark Fate. I like vintage both stock. Those you losing but, money, uh, vintage stock. Yeah. Someday, all right. So I dream of of having listeners someday that aren't just people we know that live in other places. So uh, vintage stock in Colorado, <laughs> it's called Entertain Mart. Um, certain places it's called movie trading company, uh, Kansas and most of Missouri, it is called in Oklahoma, vintage stock in Oklahoma. And I was thinking there was one more entertain Mart's my favorite cause I like puns and I went to Colorado Springs. I went to an entertain Mart, easily the biggest vintage stock I have ever seen. They had Sega game gear games running out of boxes, which all of them have Sega game gear and nobody wants to buy Sega game gear stuff. But like nothing, just just overflowing boxes of Sega Game Gear games, and then I wasted like an hour looking through them, realizing it was just a bunch of copies of the same two games. But anyway, uh, vintage stock, known as many things, they dabble in everything: video games, comics, trading cards, toys, uh, music, movies, posters. Uh, they dabble in everything. So cool store. Uh, the price is okay. They have good deals sometimes. Go after a ho- go on a holiday yeah. weekend. Go on a holiday weekend. Yeah. Oh, yes. Holiday weekend. Ask the time I always shop. Because you get like a two, buy two, get one free type of deal. So if you'd buy those toys on a holiday too. weekend, you could have had so many more oh, toys. Oh, gosh. I yeah. also dream of a time when we can review, like, I would love to. So the video games for Avatar The Last Airbender are by and large, uh, large uh, garbage. Um, spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. But I still would like to play them someday and put together a semi-formal review. I think that would be fun. So uh, that's the end of our of our not quite a commercial break. Someday we'll get like real. Somebody will come to us with something exciting to actually yeah. show off, rather than just toys we want to buy. Uh, like so, Audible, like all those other YouTube people get Audible, and uh, I don't know something else. <laughs> some of them are really strange, but it still makes me jealous. Like when these other YouTubers, other YouTubers will get gifts from people they don't know, and I'm like that's the weirdest form of stalking, where you see a video of somebody. And you send them a gift with expectations that they're going to open it on the next video. That's a very weird kind of stalking. But I'm also super jealous. So that's why I'm being angry. It's coming from a place of jealousy. Mm. It, someday, right? Somebody send me an Avatar toy. <laughs> anyway, getting to the ratings. Uh, so we are going to attempt to rate episodes. Going to try to keep it consistent uh, in the way that we do it. So at the end, we can look back and kind of find out what our favorite episodes and our least favorite episodes were. And so the first category is audiovisual, which uh, we'll talk my ratings first. Audiovisual being everything you see, everything you hear, sound effects, color palettes, uh, animation, music, all that stuff. This episode, I loved audiovisually. I guess I got to click over here. I loved the audiovisuals on this episode. I gave it a nine. And audiovisual is also very important to me because it's a cartoon, so I like to see bright colors and hear exciting music. Um, this one had a lot of different color palettes in the first couple episodes. We got to see there was there was some water, some blue color palette still. There's lots of Fire Nation red inside the ship. Um, the Air Temple and the flashback, of course, were the most exciting. Um, I like vibrant, loud colors. And then we also got a lot of exciting music, both uh, uh, music and sound effects during the Avatar state. And during the Agni Kai, there was just finally we got some real fuller music than we'd had in either of the other episodes. Uh, so then story... There's not a ton of story here. There's nothing that really uh, that drives anything forward. It's not important. Like I mentioned before, it's not quite exhibition. Um, it's more revelatory than that. It's more important than that. But it's still, neither of these really stands alone 
as more than just sort of uh, foundation builders. So it's fine. It's seven. It's a uh, they're both thorough and they both culminate very nicely at the end. You get the good fight and the good avatar state. That's probably the most positive part I can take away from this. They both culminate very nicely at the end uh, and concurrently, and that gives you a lot of good closure. And so a lot of good information. Okay, story. Give it a seven. And then I found it very memorable. Um, I gave it a nine on memorable because you do get, probably because of so many of those revelations where you see the first avatar state, you get this first great firebending fight. Uh, you see the first air temple, and that kind of opens your mind to the possibilities of what air nomad life is like, and then you get the flashback too. There's so many individual pieces here that build the foundation of how I remember Avatar being the first time I watched it through. So I found it extremely memorable, and I give that a 30% weight because in my mind, that's uh, it's uh, being memorable is kind of what makes me want to talk about it more and more. It's the type of stuff that sticks with me forever. So that's why I gave that a 30%. Um, all pretty even weights, not terribly exciting. That leads to a nice round eight. It's a it's an okay, good, maybe slightly above average episode. Um, you know, we said last time an eight here, <laughs> an eight here is probably a ten somewhere else. It's still a very good episode, uh, but as we get farther and farther in, we're going to have a lot more exciting, uh, a lot more exciting episodes, particularly in the story department. So nice round eight, nothing wrong with it, uh, nothing I would ever call out to anybody else in particular. I don't think. <clears throat> All right, my so for audio visual for me, um, I think I think the episode is is good. Um, I can't see my score. You gave here, seven point but... five, and you rate it. Uh, you weigh that at thirty five percent. Thirty five. Uh, yeah, so seven point five. Um, yeah, there wasn't. I mean, I absolutely love the when he goes into Avatar State, just that one little frame with his eyes glowing and then just the eyes glowing of every single Avatar. It just, just like that circling of do, 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 Like you can kind of just hear a, a do in your head, even, like it's something in your head, even though there's nothing, I don't think. Um, Light it up. Uh, there's nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and it just really emphasizes the lineage that the Avatar has. Um, I like the fight. Even though, I mean, I guess audiovisually the fight wasn't that impressive, but I still like the uh, the colors there. Um, but it wasn't. Yes, I don't think this episode wasn't. Yeah, I don't think this episode was as impressive as the last one. So seven and a half on the audiovisual. Um, when it comes to story, I gave it a That's an eight point five. Eight point five. Okay, <laughs> um, we gave it eight point five because I think it. We learned. <laughs> Sorry. I can't, yeah. We we gave um, these scores last week. It's been a while. Yeah, so gave it 8.5, uh, that's because the exposition was done really well in, in this episode, and we learned a lot of backstory about Zuko. Uh, we learned a little bit more about Aang, uh, and then we're introduced to uh, to the new antagonist. Um, so I think it was really just those things driving it that took me to 8.5 on, on the story. And then for memorable... What did I give? That's so an there's fifteen percent weight there, and you weighted at eight point five. Uh, this one, yeah, um, this one I gave an eight point five because this is the episode that hooked me to watch more. Like that Aang, I mean that um, uh, Aang going to Avatar State reminded me of like characters in Dragon Ball Z going Super Saiyan. Like in Dragon Ball Z, a lot of times the more mad you get, the more powerful you get. Um, so I really enjoy that aspect of it. And then the Zuko versus um, Admiral Zhao fight 
I think was done really well. Um, and and uh, it was just done really well. So I give that an 8.5. Um, so, which gives me. We definitely both on the member gives me I'm going to speak for both of us and say eight. that the that the avatar state that first avatar state is kind of like in in, so it's a in weak your head when you think it's, of the origin the... <laughs> of avatar or you think of your origins with avatar like i might think of that scene before i think of the first episode it just is such a cool fulfilling uh gratifying scene uh sorry to interrupt there you gave your total uh rounded out weighted yeah, okay. to a nice eight which um obviously that our average was an eight so that's good kind of came out thinking similarly which, again, in the end, I think just exemplifies it. It is a good episode. It's very gratifying. There's a lot of good things coming out of it. But as we get farther in, there's going to be certain episodes that just feel way more exciting. The type of episode, this is not the type of episode that you would try to win somebody over to Avatar with just because of the two stories and the kind of slower narratives. Uh, but we are; those are going to show up, and I think it's going to be evident in our scores when they do. So this is a good episode. Nothing wrong with it. Just a little bit different structure of an episode, I think. Any other? You look like you're looking real close at the score there. That's an eight. Can you see it? <laughs> you're on. He's for the record. He's on his phone, and his camera on his phone is better than my webcam camera. So, uh, Chris, any other scoring thoughts? No, I was I was looking at how long we've been recording. Been we've been talking for a while. It's okay. Um, whatever. Yeah, it's okay. And, and the thing about this episode is that. I mean, because it's so back and forth between the two that there's kind of a lot happens in all those small little seeds when usually I feel like it, it goes back and forth half that time. Um, so you can sort of summarize what's happening in the scene a lot quicker. Um, so I don't think all of our episodes will be will be this long because our I don't either. Our uh, our pilot was about was about this long. There are going to be other episodes too where in most episodes you see both sides. Like in most episodes you're going to get some Suko and Iroh and then you're going to get some Team Aang, Team Avatar. But usually they're weighted much more heavily. Like, we won't be telling two stories. You're going to be telling one story with some cutaways or with some uh, a yeah. thought or an individual scene from the other side. So I think so, too. Yeah. And we also at, talked a really long time in the Avatar state. Do... Yeah, we did. Um, and, and a lot of times TV shows do, like, an A plot and they do a B plot. Um, Avatar doesn't do that all that often like most of the time the characters are interacting with each other um, um and so if you do have two separate plots you really they're i feel like they're equally important and most of the time it's to to draw the parallel between ang and zuko I the episode um the storm that's a clear parallel between zuko and ang and there's a couple episodes that parallels the two um that tends to be the only time where there's kind of a a, a and a sub a plot yeah at least i think i think most of the time it really just feels very predominantly a with something on the order of, of cutaways or snippets of some development uh somewhere along the line so not even like you said not really even an a and a b it just uh but you know there's also a lot of i don't want to sell it short either there's a lot of dynamic episodes that shake things up and do things different and some of them i hate but most of them i love so uh, yeah, overall, great episode, very revealing. If, like I said, if there is a theme here in this episode, got to be revelation, um, just because so mm. many uh, foundational pieces of the puzzle fall into place. But good episode. Um, pretty excited about next week's episode, which last week I screwed up and said I thought was this week, but it's not. It's next week, 
that I really like because if there's one time where you sort of like can pinpoint my sympathy for Sokka starting to grow, it's next week. So pretty excited to talk about that one. Um, anyway, thanks for calling over, Chris. Uh, it was nice yep. to talk to you about this episode. Very exciting episode. Uh, this week, I'm going to Geekcraft Ep- uh, Expo this weekend. Geekcraft Expo in St. Louis to peddle my wife's quilts uh, or show people pictures of them, actually. <laughs> Uh, so if you have any any handmade geeky needs, any Etsy needs uh, in the nerd world, mm. you have to give me shoot me a text or something, and I will make sure that I do the best I can. Um, so hopefully I get to editing this quick and get it posted as soon as possible. And then next week we will do episode four. 